You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Hey, welcome to church, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. It's gonna be an amazing day. God's got some great things already in store for you. Hey, if you're watching online, we're so glad that you tuned in today. So High Ridge family, would you help welcome in all of our friends watching from all around the world? We're so glad that you made it. Don't forget to like and then to comment. And then if you really like what you're, what you're watching, would you click the share button, please? That means a, a lot to us if you would do that. Um, we're gonna start in John chapter six. And if you're new to the Bible, open up right to the middle. Then take a right. You're gonna be there in just a few pages. John chapter six. And as you're turning there, I wanna just say thank you for trusting us with your finances. We are 100% completely relying upon people's donations and their tithes, their generosity. And so uh, when you give, when you stand behind us, it means the world to us. Uh, I have some great things to report. Not only are groups launching um, this week, let me just remind you, uh, there are way more people going to groups and wanting to be a part of groups than we actually have groups. So if you're looking to get in a group, do not wait until the last moment because that's gonna be your fault. And I'm trying to tell you, I tried to warn you, we want you in a group. Uh, we believe that God's gonna do great things for you in groups. Sunday morning will never be deep enough for you. You need to get connected to people. You need to find your church family, find your tribe. I believe God's gonna speak to you as you take that next step. But in order to do that, you gotta sign up and the spots are filling up really, really quickly. So we wanna make sure that you know uh, that today is a really important day for you if you wanna get into that. Also, we have baptisms coming. That's an amazing thing to see. Uh, that's after third service today. And so if you've never seen people get baptized, if you've never seen them take that next step, you're gonna to wanna to come back after the 12 o'clock service and see that it is awesome to see their, and hear their testimonies and to watch what God is doing in their lives. And now the, the most awesome thing I wanna to report to you, uh, three months ago, uh, across the street, we, we noticed that that business had gone out of business, that, that building went up for sale, and so we approached the owner and told him we have some major concerns because we use their parking lot every Sunday morning, and that's 32 spaces that we really, really desperately need, and they've been so kind to share that with us. Um, and so we were able to, to cut a deal with them. They wrote off a huge amount uh, as a charitable contribution back to the church to make it affordable for us. And so we have purchased that building. And so I presented that, that to you guys and told you uh, that this is what we were stepping forward and doing. Um, as of today, that building is now paid off. How about that? That's a big deal. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is an awesome thing. I, I was sharing that with the elders this morning and we were talking about about how awesome it is, how generous you are, how grateful we are that uh, when we feel led by the Lord that you come and you stand behind it, you support the vision of this church. And uh, I just said, I've never paid off anything in 90 days in my life. Uh, so this feels amazing. You know, they tell you sometimes, hey, if you, there's, there's no interest if you pay this off in 90 days. And I'm like, what's the interest rate? Because that ain't gonna happen. I ain't that guy. The struggle, <laughs> the struggle is real. Uh, but I just, hey, thank you. Thank you for being a generous church. Thank you for standing behind us. Um, the Lord's already done some great things at that building with our first men's event. There's some more great things that we've got planned. Uh, it has become a critical part of what we're doing, and I'm grateful that you've stood behind us. So thank you for giving. Thank you for being generous. Um, John chapter six is where we're going today, and I wanna talk to you along the subject line of the offensive Jesus. Somebody say offensive. offensive. The offensive Jesus. It's important for us to notice that not everything that Jesus did was taken in, uh, in the greatest of lights. There was things that Jesus said and did that highly offended people. Now, uh, to say that we live in the most uh, offended culture of all time is easy for us to say, 
but let's be honest, we've been offended since the beginning of time. There are plenty of things to get us offended about, and one thing I've noticed is that every generation thinks that the next generation's offenses are ridiculous. And it's easy for me to look at the next generation that's growing up and be like, you guys are sissies. They're like, what is a sissy? Like, it doesn't matter. That's offensive that you don't even know the term. But the things that you get offended at, like, I don't understand it all. And that would be highly offensive to you. I, I get it. But there are things that my parents were highly offended at my generation for and things that their parents got really offended at them for. It's, it's a thing. It's a human thing. We get highly offended at the, that the way that the next generation does things, the way they operate. And it may, be, it may be a big deal to you, but for the people that came before you, not that big of a deal at all. And some things that, that we think are not that big of a deal to our parents, that's a big deal. We live in a highly offensive culture and an offended culture. There are things, don't, don't pretend like the people in the next generation are the only ones that get offended. You got offended too. And people got offended at you. I'm telling you, if you grow up in a generation around the, the greatest generation of World War II people and you drive a Volkswagen, that's highly offensive. Don't do it. Nazi mobile, like how in the world would you ever support anything Germany made? That's a big deal, highly offensive. And today you're driving around in your Jetta and people are... Not that big of a deal, but to them, huge deal. To drive anything made by Japan, that's a big deal. Highly offensive to people. You're like, it's a Toyota. It works great. Like, not to us. You buy American or don't buy it all, like, it's not as good. Like, you watch your mouth. Highly offensive. And I didn't understand that, but there are things that, that we did in my generation that were offensive. Now, I grew up in, the, in, in a time before seatbelts became law. And today, you're going to get in, your, get in your car, and you're going to automatically put on your seatbelt the first thing. But there was a time where if you got into somebody's car and you put on a seatbelt, they got offended. Like, what are you saying I can't drive? That's exactly what I'm saying. You don't know how to drive. That's the reason why I put this thing on. Buckle up for safety. But there were some things that we did. In my dad's generation, if you said the, you preferred the monkeys over the Beatles, them's fighting words. Like, are you serious right now? It's a joke. That's a joke. No, no, not at all. We're, we're dead serious. Mm, you're not my friend. But in my generation, if you wore two straps on your backpack, the rest of us would get highly offended at you because there may be two, but you only wear one. We know that. Now, do we recognize that wearing both straps on the backpack is better? Yes. Do we care? No. Still today, like there are two straps on my backpack, but I will choose either left-handed or right-handed, but you don't ever put them both on the same time. Why? I don't know. But I know when I watch my children's generation put both straps on their backpack and you're like, nerd. <laughs> like why, it makes sense. Like, I don't, I don't really know why. But I don't like it. You might get offended over things that I think are not that big of a deal when they misspell your name on your Starbucks cup. I'm highly offended. It's Sean with an X, like. I'm sorry, like, in, use your preferred pronouns. Like, I don't know what a pronoun is. I barely know what a verb is. I don't get it. I'm from Texas. My pronouns are ye and haw, and that's all I know. I saw one time, I didn't share this with the other service. This guy said, what, what is a pronoun? The lady said, my pronouns are her and she. He goes, he goes if your pronouns are her, she's, I like everything about you. We're going to be great friends. I don't know. It's highly offensive to me, but to other people, like, I don't get it. And then there's things that are highly offensive to them. 
I don't get it. But the most important thing is that when we read in the word of God that Jesus really offended people, it's important for us to recognize there were things that Jesus did that was highly offensive to the culture of the day. And it might not be a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to them. And the reason why they sought to take the life of Jesus was for the many ways that he deeply offended them. And by the way, if you read this book long enough and this book starts reading you, it will deeply offend you. It's supposed to. There are many things about Christ that deeply offended people. You may not understand it, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't the truth. And so we found that the things that Jesus did that offended people more than anything else, what cost him his life was the fact that he would constantly walk right up to the edge of breaking the Mosaic law. And then he would put his foot over there just like that. Why? Because in the beginning, when God's people were led out of Egypt, God gave them 10 commandments. He said, these are the 10 commandments. Follow after this. This is my law. And they had now expanded it by Jesus' time to 613 commandments. That's called multiplication. <laughs> Ridiculous. And Jesus says, you put all this law, you put all this burden on people, and you won't lift a single finger to help them. This is crazy. Where does it stop? Highly offensive to them. How Jesus would come and break those ridiculous laws. And he's like, you don't understand the heart behind what you're even making people do. But why do they have so many laws? And I want you to make sure that you pay attention. It's important that you know this. Because every time the children of Israel disobeyed and broke God's law, they ended up being oppressed politically. They began to get taken over by one country or the next. Their disobedience caused them to have to walk through discipline. And the root cause of it was always we're violating God's law. Now, instead of recognizing there's a simple fact of, wait a minute, could there be something more than God's law that we're not paying attention to here? They said, let's just expand and make God's law more. And to now be at the place where there's 613 laws, it's a big deal when Jesus begins to tap dance on those laws because there's like, they're, they're like, hey, we're already controlled by the Romans. Don't do this. We've put laws in place so that the Lord would know we're trying to do everything right. And it was highly offensive to them when Jesus would break the Mosaic law. It was a big deal in their culture. And Jesus constantly did it, not to just offend them, but to show them something greater than the law. And so in John chapter 6, if you're new to the story, let me catch you up. Um, Jesus has now fed uh, multiple thousands of people. He's done it a couple times. And when, uh, when Jesus feeds that many people miraculously, he breaks the bread, he gives it to the people, he breaks the fish, he feeds thousands of people. When he does that and there's so much left over, um, that, that tends to draw a crowd. And it tells us in John chapter six that after Jesus fed that many thousands of people that the next day he had gone away by himself to pray and then he went across the lake to get away from the crowd. Well, they found out that he was gone and they crowd around him again. And in this moment, Jesus tries to take them a little bit deeper than just providing for them another free meal. And Jesus begins to teach in the synagogue. And they're crowding around listening to what he has to say. They've seen what he can do, and now they're waiting to hear what he has to say. And in this moment, Jesus speaks some things that are really hard for them to hear, and they take great offense to what he says. So I want Jesus' words to speak for himself. In John chapter 6, starting at verse 53, follow along if you would. It says this. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Awkward. Whoever eats, look at this, my flesh and drinks my blood 
has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. This is going down a bad path. For my flesh is real food and my body is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. He's just doubling down. Do you see this? Read it. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue. This is his sermon. This is his message. You thought mine was weird. <laughs> Jesus went to straight cannibalism. They're like, he's not the regular rabbi. The regular rabbi be here next Sabbath. He's, he's just a guest speaker. He can't. This is, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought you today. Can you imagine the conversations that were happening when Jesus starts talking this way? He says this while teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. Upon hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Like, I don't know if I can handle this. Notice this wasn't the people saying this. His disciples began to say this. It says they began to grumble among themselves like, this, this is weird. Look, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I love how Jesus asked rhetorical questions over and over. Every time he asks a question, it's not like he doesn't know the answer, but he wants you to see it. Like, is it, did that offend you? Yeah, it kind of did. That's, it's weird. Why do, you, why do you say weird things? I invited my parents. Why do you say such weird things? Can we, can we teach a different message, please? <laughs> now, here's a big moment that ended up in biggest embarrassment for the disciples. Can you imagine being one of Jesus' friends that have promoted this event and drawn people and spread the gospel far and wide and seeing the miracles that happen and now the crowd has gotten bigger and then Jesus gets weird. Can you imagine the embarrassment of that moment of putting your life and your family and your job and everything, you've left all to follow after Christ and when it seems like it's finally working, he says something like this. Scripture goes on to tell us that many left him at that point. The miracles weren't enough. But it's what he said that caused him to say, yeah, I'm going to try a different church. <laughs> I'm going to go to Crystal Methodist. It's, it's better over there. <laughs> Look at verse 66. It says, and many stopped following him that day. That sermon was the ender. Like, that, that's it for me. I'm done. You know, the meaning behind what Jesus is saying, it's not that difficult for us to get today, but it was a big deal for them. They did not understand it. They didn't get it. Um, some of them were trying to understand it, trying to get a little bit of clarity on it, but most of them didn't get it. They're like, is this a metaphor of some kind? I really hope it is, because surely you don't actually mean that. But he kept saying, no, the real food is my real body. And you're like, yeah, can you find a different way to say that? It's not a big deal for us to catch the meaning today. It's, it's pretty simple on the surface level. It, I want to make sure that you see this. Uh, it, Jesus is saying, we need food for our physical bodies to have life. We need spiritual food for our spirits to have life. Pretty simple. We recognize that just as we need to eat, and hopefully you have a meal today, you, all, you also need to feed your spirit. It needs to be with the word of God. You need a relationship with Jesus. The, for your spirit to have life, you are more than just feeding your body. You need to be feeding your spirit. That's not that complicated. We get it. Many churches will preach that and teach that. We should know this as believers. 
that when we have discipline in the word, we have a relationship with Jesus, we're feeding our spiritual selves. We're getting stronger. You need this. Many of us are spiritually starving because we forgot to feed ourselves, right? It's not my job to feed you. I'm here to help you learn how to feed yourself. And so Jesus like, okay, you've seen me feed you with the bread and the fish. Do you understand that your spirit needs to be fed the same way and that I will also feed your spirit? They're like, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Many left that day. You see, in the Old Testament, when, when, when Jesus refers back to that, the manna that fell from heaven, he said, your ancestors ate manna and they died. He's, he's talking about when God blessed them with, with provision, with bread from heaven. He said, that's kind of a type and shadow of what we're doing here when I'm breaking the bread and giving it, you know, but, but there's something more. And when he gets to the place where he says, I am the bread, that's, that's the last straw. Like you're gonna sit here and explain scripture and say you're the fulfillment of scripture. That's a violation of the law and I'm not gonna be a part of that. That's gone to somewhere illegal. And they took great offense at Jesus' word. I wanna make sure that you see that Jesus was constantly trying to get people to go from the physical to the spiritual. Trying to relate one story to the next. You understand this. You understand why this happened. Yes, now let me take it to the spiritual. There's a deeper understanding of that. And here's what's important for us to see that in Christianity today, God is still looking for us to go from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. And if we're constantly dealing in just the physical realm and you're never dealing in the spiritual realm, you'll always leave offended. It's all about you, what God can give you, what God's doing for you, what God's doing to you, what God's not doing for you, what God's not doing to you. Instead of understanding, there's a very real spiritual realm that's going on and there's a place where I don't understand a lot, but I need to be fed just as much in the spirit as I do need to be in the natural. It's not that big a deal for us to understand it, but if we can't make the leap from the physical to the spiritual, we will always find ourselves offended. Do you see it? I wanna give you three things that are really important for us to understand about the offensive Jesus. So if you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down. I wanna give you three things. Things that the scripture tells us today, how we can understand this offensive Jesus a little bit better. Number one, go ahead and write this down if you would. Uh, Jesus drew a crowd to grow the kingdom. Jesus did not grow a crowd to grow his brand. He wasn't here just to create some religious movement. He wasn't here just to make sure that the momentum and the crowds and the bigger and the growth, that's not the point. He's drawing crowds so they can grow the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went, the message was about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. I'm showing you these things so that you can understand the kingdom. I'm providing these miracles so that you can understand the kingdom. Everything is a type and a shadow and a story and a parable, an explanation of what the kingdom is all about. Jesus has big crowds so that he gets them from moving to meeting just their physical needs into the spiritual Lord, what are you showing us? The kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of heaven is right here. It's like this. It's like that. The kingdom of heaven looks this way. It looks that way. Constantly pulling people into the spiritual. Jesus draws a big crowd and points them towards kingdom principles. It's important for us to recognize that's why we're gathered here today. The kingdom. But Jesus, why not one-up yourself? You've got momentum. You've got great growth. Let's put some strategy behind this. Let's start more campuses. Let's build bigger churches. Get more people. It's about growth and momentum. It's like, no, it's about the kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. That's the point. The kingdom. Not the crowd. The kingdom. 
You see, the miracles bring the crowd, but the message thins them out. And the same is true for us today. Power of God, boy, we want to be around it. Presence of God, yes. But once the message of God starts working on us, once it begins to confront us, once it begins to say things that, that are harsh to hear, that's where we start getting thinned out a little bit. We have an opportunity to be offended. And Jesus would still speak the same thing to us. Does this offend you? I'm trying to show you the kingdom. You want to stay in the crowd. I'm trying to call you to be a disciple. I'm trying to call you deeper. And generally, we find that people, uh, people crowded around Jesus for, for several reasons. But the top three reasons that people crowded around Jesus was they wanted to see the miraculous. They wanted to, to have provisions and blessings. Or number three, they wanted political change. And we still find the same needs, the same reasons that people come to church are, are generally built around those three reasons. I want to have, find a way to get more blessing. How, how does God's word work for me? How does it bless my life? Or, you know, I need a miracle. I'm in a desperate place. I need God to help me. So I'm going to go to church and see if God will not move miraculously. Or I want political change. And I think that the church exists to bring revival to America, to change our government, to change the structure, to return us to American Christian values. People come to the, to the church for the exact same reasons as they came to Jesus. Now, does God not care about those things? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there's something more. There's something more than all of those reasons. It's the same thing that Jesus is pointing to today that he was pointing to then. It's the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and I'll give those things to you. But you're only seeking after your needs, and you don't see the spiritual. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. I could keep saying it over and over. It's the kingdom. People wanted miracles, just not the miracles he was providing. People wanted to be fed, but not the food he was willing to give. People wanted deliverance, but not the deliverance he was offering. People wanted a different kingdom established, just not his kingdom. And it's important that we recognize that until we get to the place where we see what Jesus is doing in our lives, we're going to constantly live in offense with what he doesn't do that we think he should do. Please hear me. This is important for us to get. If we cannot make the leap from the physical to the spiritual, from my kingdom to his kingdom, we're going to constantly live in offense when he doesn't do what we believe he should do. It's about him. So I want to make sure that you see it this way. I'll put it on the screen. Accepting Jesus on his terms is the foundation for all spiritual growth. It's who he says he is, not who I want him to be. Accepting Jesus on his terms is the foundation for spiritual growth. You want to grow? Accept Jesus for who he says he is, for who he wants to be, what his will is. And you begin to grow. You realize that, oh, his ways are better. His thoughts are better. That, that's better than what I had in mind. Accepting Jesus on his terms. Here's the second thing that I believe is important for us to see about the offensive Jesus. Um, <laughs> number two, the gospel was and is Abrasive. Abrasive. I think in, in 2023, we want a gospel that's all affirming, all inclusive, all accepting, or we find ourselves in the other extreme where we want a gospel that's completely exclusive, that only provides grace for people that look like me, think like me, act like me, same skin color as me, that sin like me, that 
love like me, that view, view and vote and, and have the exact same mannerisms and personalities and the traits and the thoughts and the likes and dislikes as me. And they're both equally wrong. The gospel was and is very abrasive. Is it all inclusive? Is it completely exclusive? They're both wrong. You're seeing it the wrong way. It's about the kingdom. What does Jesus say? It's about whosoever will let him come. Come and what? Come and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever will let him come. Let him come what? Come and die. Come and die to himself. Come and die to his flesh, to his desires and his wants. It's a call to come and let go. He said, you want to find your life? You got to give it away. The gospel was and is abrasive, but look at this. It's not mean. Wait a minute, pastor. Isn't Jesus love? Yes. Yes, Jesus is love. God is love, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. But it should affirm me and affirm everything about my life. No, it says your life is worth nothing except in Christ. In Christ, I can become something more than who I've settled for. The gospel is abrasive, but it's not mean. It's good news. Pastor, how is that good news? How is that good news to me? Because it shows me I don't have to be smart enough. I don't have to know enough. I don't have to do enough. You can't be black enough and white enough or brown enough or rich enough or poor enough or suffer enough or be blessed enough or no more or no less. The gospel tells me that Jesus was enough. He was enough for me because I could never on my best day measure up to his perfect standards. Thanks be to God, he sends his son, that bread from heaven that was more than enough. There's a reason why hanging on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. That means everything that I need was finished, was nailed to a cross so that I could have his righteousness. My righteousness is not enough. And the gospel tells me that Jesus was enough and that is good news. You are not enough enough. One of the hardest things that we could ever do as, as believers is proclaim a gospel that tells people you're not enough. You're not perfect the way that you are because that's countercultural. The world will tell us, hey, you're perfect. Don't you ever change. And Jesus would say, unless you change, you can't have any part in me. But the good news is I can help you. There's a new life in Christ. Behold, all things have become new. Old things are passed away. I'm reborn. That's the good news. Pastor, I can't change. I was born this way. And you can be born again. Born again. But pastor, my heart, my heart is so hardened by the hurts. The good news, the gospel tells us he takes the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And he changes who we are into who we were supposed to be. The gospel is good news. It is abrasive, but it ain't mean. Gospel is abrasive to my best days and my best acts and my best righteousness and helps me realize it's not enough. But thanks be to God, his son was enough. You know, many people left, it says, verse 67, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you, you want to leave? You want to leave too, do you? Only the 12 stayed with him. There was lots of other disciples, people that were close to Jesus, that see, that see his miracles, that hear his message and this was the last straw for them, the, uh, the offense, this abrasive gospel, this offensive Jesus. 
says, you want to leave me too, don't you? Simon Peter speaks up, as by the way, he always does, and says, Lord, where, can I, where can I go? Where else, where else am I going to... Where else am I going to go? I've given up everything I have for this. This has to work. I'm all in. Do I understand it? No. Lord, I don't get it. That was weird. <laughs> but I'd rather have weird with Jesus than have understanding without him. There's lots of things I can understand. But walking with Jesus gives me time where I don't get it and I don't understand, but I trust. You see, I don't have to understand Jesus to keep trusting his word. His word is enough. Is it abrasive? Yes. It's not mean. What's it abrasive to? To my sin? To my righteousness? To my understanding? To my ways? To my wants? To my desires? It's abrasive to all those things. They're going to conflict. But in between who you are and who God wants us to, to be is an opportunity to get offended. Here's point number three. I want to finish up with this. Number three, every miracle of Jesus is designed to take us deeper. This is important that we see every miracle in that light. What is he saying? If everything about Jesus is about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, then that means every miracle that he does should have a parallel, should point back to scripture, should point back to a deeper understanding, should point back to something that intrigues us that calls us to go deeper than just what we've seen Jesus do. See, every message of Jesus and every miracle of Jesus was uniquely and like a genius designed to get people to search deeper, to keep on, to push through their offenses, to hear what he's saying, to hear the message behind the message, to have a light bulb moment where things begin to, to take shape, where you realize, wow, that's what he meant. That's what, that's what that means. I understand it better. Every miracle was designed to take us deeper. Did Jesus do miracles? Yes. Did the miracles have a point? Always. There's a point. Did many people get it? No. And some that attempted to get it got greatly offended. But others understood. The light bulb came on and they got it. And it changed their life. They were able to leap from the physical to the spiritual. So when we see this in scripture, we need to recognize that Jesus' miracle always pointed towards his message. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And by the way, when, when the disciples approached him and the Pharisees and the scribes approached him and the Sadducees approached him, they would dig in a little bit deeper. In this specific instance, they, they were able to make the leap on one level. They said, wait a minute, you're, you're talking about the manna that fell from heaven in the Old Testament, and here you are breaking bread and feeding it to your people. We get it. There's a parallel. There's New Testament parallel to the Old Testament. So what God did back then, God did a miracle today. I get it. But then Jesus goes a step farther. He says, yeah, you got that? You want to take you to the next step? What is that? I'm the bread. Ooh. I was like, wait a minute. You saw it in Scripture. And now you're seeing it in the flesh. You can touch it. But you don't believe. I'm the bread. The manna that fell from heaven... That's me. God himself revealed in the flesh, that's me. I'm giving my life. And just the way that your ancestors ate manna, just the way that you saw them eat bread, your spirits need to feed on the words that I'm giving you. 
and I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you things that you could not imagine. Your spirit has to feed. You're starving. They're like, mm, I don't get it. Explain it again. He said, my flesh and my blood have to become a part of you. Jesus speaking about the cross and what would happen to his physical body that would reveal spiritual life in place of physical death. Jesus speaking about his own flesh and his own blood becoming exactly what we needed to have real life. And that was highly offensive because they didn't get where Jesus was having them to go. They couldn't make the leap from the physical to the spiritual. They couldn't make the leap from what they knew to what's standing right in front of them. It reminds me of the scripture that we talked about last week in Pastor Paul DeFer's message. He says, you search the scriptures thinking in them you have eternal life, but the scriptures said they point to me. They point to me. The scriptures don't point to what you want them to point to. They point back to the kingdom. It's about him. And so if we see through God's word that every miracle had a message in it and every message pointed to Christ, if we're able to make the leap from the natural to the supernatural, from the physical to the spiritual, we can recognize a very simple fact that most of us would agree in this room today that it's a miracle you're here. I know many of your stories, and I would agree. It's a miracle that you're in this chair today. It's a miracle that you're able to get up and get to church. Many of us are living on borrowed time. We have multiple experiences. Like, I should not be here. It's only by God's grace that I'm here. It's been miraculous. Many of us have numerous stories that we could tell about the miraculous provision, the blessings of God, things that God has done, things that God cured, things that God healed, things that God answered that no other doctor could explain. There's a reason why you're here. There's a miracle, and it's sitting either in your seat or the seat next to you. You're a living, walking, breathing miracle. The fact that you're still worshiping and praising God in spite of all that you've walked through, in spite of your hurts and your habits and your hangups and all your failures and faults, and I'm still here, that's a miracle. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. It's a miracle. Now, if you can make the leap from the miracle to the message, you realize that there's a why behind the reason why I'm still here. And it points to the kingdom. There's a reason why God's done his miraculous work in my own life for forgiving me and saving me, from healing me, delivering me, bringing me to a place where I would do the thing that I never, ever, ever thought I would do on my worst day to preach the gospel and stand in front of people. This is ridiculous. Trust me, I'm just as surprised as you are. It's a miracle that I'm even standing here. And the miracle points to the message. And it's not my message, it's his message. You see, the message of my life is to help point people to Jesus. And I hope that you can see through my life and through what we've just read in his word that the same is true for you. The miracle that you're sitting here, the things that God has done have a message behind it. And the message is not that you're a special person. The message is that Jesus was special enough for you. He's living inside your heart. He spared your life and brought you to this place for a reason. Why? To point people to the kingdom. We've got a job to do, church. Jesus said, you're my hands and you're my feet. And he expects that we would not stay in a physical realm of Jesus, I want you to bless me. Jesus, I want you to provide for me. Jesus, I want you to do miracles. Jesus, I want you to change my country and never see that there's something much deeper in the spiritual. Jesus, I want your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come and settle in my spirit. Let me be about your kingdom and about what you want. 
Lord, help me to be a believer that seeks you first. First. In between who you are and who God wants you to be is an opportunity to be offended. In between who you are and what God wants you to be is an opportunity for a light bulb moment to recognize why you're here. To hopefully see that your life has purpose and meaning. And that in spite of all the things that you've had to walk through, there's a message in you. And the message is about him, about his grace, about his goodness, about his power to take someone like me and use me for his kingdom. You have the same calling on you that I do. To be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be ambassadors for the kingdom of Christ. I want to encourage you to approach this next week with that in mind. Lord, it's a miracle that I'm here. Don't let me waste it. Don't let me get offended and walk away. Lord, let me give you this day. Let me give you my time. Let me give you my talents and whatever you can use me for in any capacity, my answer is yes. Yes, because I trust you. I don't have to understand, but I trust you. Lord, let the message of my life point people to Jesus. I want to finish up right there if it's okay. So if you'd go ahead and Put away your Bibles. Put away your phones. We're going to end today by listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. This may be a new concept to you. That's okay. The Lord wants to speak to you anyway. I want to invite you. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? and Forget about what you're doing after this. Forget about where you parked. And forget about your, your kids. Your kids are going to be fine. This is the most important moment of this service. The moment that you connect to the Lord for yourself. You may say, how do I do that, Pastor? You do it by simply praying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Would you pray that right where you are? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Lord God, we come to you today with our issues and our wants and our failures, our wins and losses, good and bad. Lord, we come to you broken. We come to you asking for help. Would you speak to us? Help us to see things like you do. Help us to understand on a deeper level that's not really all about me but what you're doing. Help me to see kingdom principles. Help me to recognize my place in the kingdom of God. Help me to be used by you to do what you're asking me to do. I don't want to waste my life. So Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you speak to me through your word? Would you let the words that your Bible speaks, would you let them bear great fruit in my life? Help me to understand it better. Help me to go deeper. I want to know you. In Jesus' name. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be really honest with you, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I need a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe like me, you were raised in church. You've been to church before, but you need to come home. You need a real relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, I believe that this next part is just for you. 
I believe you need to respond to that call to be in relationship with Jesus. You may say, how do I do that, Pastor? I'm not really sure how to do that. You do it with a prayer, and I'd be honored if you'd let me help you. I'll show you what to pray. It goes like this. Pray with me right where you are. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came and died and rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Take over my life. Forgive me. Save me. I give my life to you right now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you actually prayed that prayer, if you did it, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, not going to single you out in any way. That's not my heart. But would you do me a favor? If you prayed that prayer with me, would you just lift up your hand and say, that was me, Pastor. I did that. I pray with you. I see you. Good. I see you. Yes, sir. Anyone else today? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Good for you. Those of you that pray that prayer, look up at me for just a moment, if you would. On the screen behind me, there's a, there's a number just for you. I want to invite you. Would you text me? The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. If you'll text the words, I prayed, then your number's gonna show up for me and I'm gonna send you back a link to some things that will help you. They'll help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. I don't want anything from you. I just wanna help you in your walk with Jesus. This is not the end of your walk with Christ. This is the beginning and you're gonna need some help and it would be my greatest honor to help you. But I can't do that unless you're willing to take a step. So you've come this far. I wanna invite you to come a little farther. For others, it's time to get baptized. This next service is going to be just for you. I want you, to, I want you to come back if you would at one o'clock. We will get you signed up. We'll get you in the water. We'll get it taken care of today. We want to help you keep taking steps for Christ. If you're watching online today and you, you've responded, that number's for you as well. We would love to be a part of your faith journey to help you get to know Jesus better. It's an important part of your life. Maybe the most important part of your life. Let us help with that if you wouldn't mind. Good for you. Proud of you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. I'm going to invite our elders and their wives forward to be uh, available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. If you're watching online and you like the message, would you please hit that share button? That means a lot for us. Every single week we have people that share this and it's going around the world. It can only happen if you're willing to jump in on this with us and be a part of what we're doing. So I want to encourage you to share the message on Facebook, share it on YouTube, share it on social media platforms. People need to hear this offensive Jesus. It's good for us. For everyone else, I want to thank you for coming today. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being, uh, being an amazing church. It's been the greatest honor of my life to stand here and bring God's word to you every week. Thank you for supporting us. Let me pray for you and bless you as we go. Father, would you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long in Jesus' name. And all of us said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. 
Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit highridgelv.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.